Hey guys, this is Josh Peak. Welcome to the Josh Peak Show, where we interview podcasters, bloggers, entrepreneurs, and people just had a tremendous amount of success uh, in their path in life. And uh, this one's going to be no different. We have Quit Cooper with us. I've been watching this guy for a long time. He's a three-time world team uh, member when it comes to high school wrestling, and he was an NCAA All-American. Uh, it transitioned in the business world and has had a lot of success, and I learned a lot, things I didn't even... I really didn't expect to learn, so make sure you have your pen and paper out. Um, also, I have two um, companies I want to talk to you about. I've been asked from a variety of different people who I work with, who do I use for my social media and who do I use for my email marketing? Social media, I use Sprout Social. Tremendous way to engage, schedule, and just have a really... Um, awesome way of, of getting your social media out. I use this with all my clients. There's a lot of agencies that use this, uh, and I use it for myself. Sprout Social. Uh, also, AWeber is who I use for my email marketing. I've been using this since the early 2000s. I have a big list, and so if I need to get something out quick, uh, it's an important, or my newsletter, and also my podcast, I use AWeber. Both of those companies all have links uh, in the content section at joshpeak.com. Also, if uh, you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, it will also be in the section there to where you can click a, click the link as well. So enjoy this show. It's uh, with Quit Cooper, and I'm your host, Josh Peak. Thank you. This is Josh Peak. Welcome to the Josh Peak Show, uh, where we interview entrepreneurs, athletes, top performers. And uh, today, I'm really excited because there's a guy I've been watching for quite some time. He's from the wrestling world, uh, but he's also an entrepreneur. He's a speaker and been very successful in the wrestling world. Uh, Coit Cooper. Coit, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm real good. I'm glad we finally get to make this work and been trying to find time to make it happen. And so here we are. Yeah, man. Excited for it. Well, cool. Well, um, so like we were talking about um, previously, why don't we just start, you know, I like to do conversational podcasts mm-hmm. and to not make it too formal. Uh, I think people enjoy just more of a conversation. And um, so like, where did it all start for you? Um, obviously today you have your own business. You travel the nation um, and you're all over the place uh, with your business. And so, which is good. Um, so, but where did it all start? Uh, you know, where were you raised and how did you get involved in wrestling? Um, and then obviously how did you then transition that or, uh, parlay that into the business world? Yeah, no, no, good question. And, uh, it's crazy cause you know, I've, I've done some moving and now actually where I live right now today is where I grew up. Um, I grew up my first 18 years here in Anacortes, Washington, was gone for 18 years and then I came back. And so first starting when I was a young kid, um, my parents would tell you that I, I was crazy, um, not impolite or anything like that, just crazy in that I was constantly getting myself into things, you know, going off my bike, hurting myself and uh, just had too much energy. And at one point, one of our neighbors came and said, hey, you, you should let him try wrestling. You know, they were in the wrestling club and they thought it might be good for him. And my parents said, well, what the heck? We got nothing to lose. He's, you know, at some point he's going to hurt himself good. And, um, and so I went in and I, I can remember to this day, I loved it from day one, you know, just the, the ability to go in and, you know, to, to learn a skill set, you know, the ability to compete. And I just, I fell in love with wrestling really quickly. And, um, and I did a lot of other sports growing up, but as the, the longer I did it, 
the more um, I just started to, 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 get, to get more and more into that. And I, and, and I was just very fortunate to have parents that were crazy supportive and didn't ever put pressure on me, just wanted me to work hard, wanted me to be happy. And, and I had a chance to free up and, and they got me, you know, to really amazing coaches that just helped me excel. I mean, guys who to this day, if I didn't have them, I don't think I could have done what I was able to do. And, um, you know, that led me to a spot where I was able to, you know, win three state championships. I was second my freshman year and made three world teams and won three national championships. But again, I just was very, very fortunate to have coaches who got me to that level. And no question I worked, but they just helped me believe in myself more and taught me a lot of the things that I teach to other people now. And, and so it went through college and, and, and had a chance. I was an all American there and that was good. And, but when I got done with wrestling, you know, uh, the one thing about me is I've always um, seen myself as not just a wrestler. I was a wrestler, but I, I, I wanted to be able to branch out and do other things. I wanted to be able to take my lessons from wrestling and show that you could go out and you could use those things to just do really amazing things. And so I went out and, and I'll try to come pack this a little bit and then we can come back if you want to, to yeah. the parts. But I, I went out and I got my PhD because I always loved teaching and um, I wanted to be a college professor. And I got my PhD and had a chance in that process. It was really cool for me because part of what I did was branding and culture. I love that. And I got a chance to, to work with hundreds and hundreds of wrestling coaches and wrestling programs to help them build their brand, to build their culture. And even today, I, it's really neat to see those programs doing that. And so I was able to do that and I was able to teach and, and do research. And, and uh, I went out and I did that for nine years. And um, I ended up at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, an amazing uh, university and uh, was a tenure line professor and, and went through that. I really busted my butt. And then year six, you go up for tenure and they decide whether or not you're good enough to stay there. And I had a really interesting situation and in that I had a lot of support all the way up. And then a final committee just decided no, seven to one, no. And my wow. life got turned upside down a little bit, you know, that's basically being fired from your job. And, mm-hmm. um, it was crazy cause they offered me another job and it, it was clearly going to be a demotion cause in university, um, titles matter, but they were going to pay me the same. I'd be teaching more and doing less research, which I liked, but I got to this point where I went to my wife and I said, I don't want to take this job. And she said, well, what, what do you want to do? And I said, you know, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I've wanted to, to go out and create something, you know, I've wanted to go and, you know, go for it. And, and she, I tell people she wasn't like a high risk person, but she looked at me and she said, well, go for it. And I was like, what, what do you mean? Go for it. She's like, go for it. And we literally, you know, walked away. I had other jobs I could have taken in academia that would have been safe and kept us comfortable and paid the bills. But we walked away and I, I decided to pursue my goal and my dream. And, um, you know, that's being an author, coach and speaker where I work to help people, you know, go out and live better to establish habits, to go out and just achieve the things they want to achieve. And so I tell people, I love my job. Every day I get up, I get to work with people to help them go out and create the results in lives that they, they really want. And there's a lot of people who aren't there, but yeah, I get to be a keynote speaker. I get to travel around the United States doing that. I get to I get to coach people, create courses. It's almost like I didn't intend it this way, but all the skill sets that I gathered up from wrestling, um, from my PhD and teaching, from the marketing emphasis have come into one spot where I get to use it all. And it's a really amazing thing. And so that kind of brings us up to, in a nutshell, kind of current time where what I do every day. That's awesome. Well, that, that's good. So do you still... Um 
Do you still do it? Are you involved in wrestling at all? Do you still work with any kids? Do you work with any college? Do you do anything with any athletes or is it strictly just uh, professionals? I no, I do. I definitely do. And um, it's, from time to time I get into the room and I work out, but I, I tell people, honestly, I'm better um, for kids, for coaches, if I do what I do now, like, you know, every coaches always talk about, you know, you know, 10% is this physical or 20% is this physical and 80% is mental. And yet most coaches don't even work in that space that much. Some of the best mm-hmm. coaches do, but most don't. And, and that's part of what I do is I, I help, I, I really help establish habits, but what I'm really um, focused on is helping people get their minds in a place where they can really go out and do what they're capable of doing. And so a lot of what I do now is training um, that with programs. So I, I work with you know, different elements. I'll work with um, college coaches and high school coaches one-on-one to train the coaches to get them ready. Um, sometimes I'll go in and I'll talk to the programs and work with the programs. But man, I, I feel like where I'm best is, you know, where I can serve the sport best is two areas. One is mindset and two is mm-hmm. culture, like how to build a really amazing program with a lot of energy around it. So you can actually brand it and market it and build it into something special. That's what I get up and work on every day. So for me, if you want me to come in and do technique, I can do it. But that's like technique from, you know, eight, 10 years ago where what I do every day is where I think I can really serve the sport now. And, and even since I was done with wrestling, a huge piece of what I did, you know, with the NWCA, we created the best of brand awards. We gave coaches these resources to build their brand, to market themselves. And, and we literally had a chance to impact hundreds and hundreds of programs. And the cool thing is, is if you help any organization improve their brand and their culture, then all of the athletes or the stakeholders, they all benefit. And, and I think wrestling is a sport when we help programs build cultures it's a lot better. And so, um, you probably wanted to, it was probably meant to be a quick answer, but, uh, I know no, that's, that's good. Good, good. Yeah. But I do. And, um, it's just in the area where I feel like I can serve programs best. Right. Right. Well, um, so let's go back a little bit. So, and there, I mean, you were talking about your parents didn't pressure you really, um, which means you're pretty self-motivated, but what if you've got a kid so you got some kids that, uh, I mean, today is a little bit different. Um, yeah. you know, when you and I wrestle in a sense, the, pre- mm-hmm. I mean, you got flow wrestling, you've got, you've got sure. the internet, you've got social media. It's so, it's a pressure cooker almost. And I don't know if that's taken the fun out of wrestling or if that's providing more excitement, but the pressure is definitely there for a kid yeah. uh, who wants to get a scholarship or who wants to, I mean, we have so many different routes we're seeing in wrestling. We're even seeing some people go the route of, skipping college and going directly into freestyle and Greco. Yeah. Uh, but we're seeing some kids go right to NCA. But if you put the pressure on a kid to win, because ultimately that's part of the process. I mean, the process is the process, but sure. they're wanting to win. But I can also, and I think every kid's different, but if you put the pressure to win on a kid, um, you, you think that shortens the lifespan of a career? I do. Yeah, I absolutely think overall that it does. And I get a chance to work with um, athletes in different sports now. A lot of parents come to me and they want me to work with their kids. And one of the biggest issues that I see right away is the parents put, they do, they put a lot of pressure on the kid. And I tell people that I think the reason why I was able to excel, it wasn't that my parents didn't come and support me. It's just, they just, they, they just loved me right? They, they were just my parents, right? They just, no matter what, whether I won or I lost, they loved me. There wasn't that extra added element where I felt like I needed to do something to get attention from them. 
And I see this over and over with parents now where they think they're doing good by they, they lose and they don't talk to them or they, they punish them or they, they're hard on them and they think they're helping them, but they're really creating a lot of fear with kids. Right. You know, to me, yeah. I think the best thing you can do with a kid, if you, you want to push them, push them to establish habits that will serve them in any area of their life. Like it's really good to teach kids to say, hey, learn to love the process, you know, learn to, to be grateful, learn to really focus on discipline because you can always control discipline. You can't always control the outcome of what's going to happen, but you can control your process. And, you know, it's not just me. I mean, I look at, you know, really what Kale Sanderson is doing at Penn state. I look at Kyle Snyder. I look at uh, all the top level guys and you see them focusing on gratitude, right? Being grateful for the opportunity to compete, having fun with their process. I think there's been a massive paradigm shift not only in wrestling, but in a lot of sports and what I think is really healthy, but those guys aren't taking and adding a lot of extra pressure, right? They're, they're not taking and trying to, to load it on. Instead, they're really focusing on being excited for the opportunity to compete. Do they want to win Olympic and world titles? No question. But I bet if you followed them around, it would be all about their process and showing up with the right energy, with the right focus every single day. And to me as a performance guy, like I want to be really extraordinary at the things that I do for people, but I don't add a lot of extra pressure to myself. I just get up. I know my habits. I, I spend, I spend all my time and energy trying to just really be amazing at those things. And as I do that, my results are really good. And so I do think that it's, it's incredible you know, some of the, some of the, the unnecessary pressure you're putting on kids and the burnout from it. Um, I see kids that are just bummed and depressed. I mean, it's crazy. And, um, I've got some right now I'm working with. And one of the biggest things I try to teach them is, is just, okay, let's sit down and see if we can focus on this the right way. This isn't an obligation. Sport is not an obligation. It's an opportunity to do something really, really cool. And so I think it's really important that we learn to see it that way and this isn't just a sport thing for your people who are out there listening and they want to be great salespeople or they want to be speakers mm-hmm. or whatever they want to be. If it feels like something with a lot of pressure and anxiety, you're going to get worn down at some point. And, um, my philosophy, See, that, that right, that right there is where I get, I, I mean, I call so much bull crap yeah. when people, when people say, well, I just don't, you know, you, you don't, you, you're seeing these coaches and these and all over the internet. Um, and they're saying, well, I don't, I don't think there's a, there's a such thing as burnout. If you're passionate about it, where I'm like, no, I'm no, telling you there true. is definitely burnout. If, yeah, if, you're, if, the, if the perspective is wrong, man, there is oh, no burnout. question. You can, you can, yeah. and it, I study this, right. And you can burn out in anything. You say, Oh, you're passionate about what are the things you're passionate? I'm passionate about my kids. I'm passionate about my wife. I'm passionate about my work. If my mind's not right, they can all seem like an obligation. I can burn mm-hmm. out in any one of those things. And, and most people are doing that exact thing. And so it's not true. I mean, you, your mind needs to be right. You, you need to constantly be looking at it the right way so you're not adding the unnecessary stress and pressure. And I'm not saying you, you aren't going to have excitement and you're not going to feel some nerves going into competition. But man, if it gets too much or it's really hurting your performance, it's not good. And uh, you think about this. I think most people are walking around worn out, burned out at a point in their lives where they don't feel like they're in a good spot. And one of the reasons why is they haven't learned to see things in their life the right way and how to approach them the right way. So I'm with you. I, I call BS. I loved yep. wrestling when I was in high school and I got into college and I didn't love it anymore. And part of that was on me. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't ready to see it right. But part of it is you get in an environment where all you stress is you got to be perfect. Like you've got to win. And if you don't, we're going to punish you and we're going to run you. That, that ain't the way our brain doesn't work that way our brain does not like to be punished all the time. Like it doesn't like pain all the time. And if you create an environment 
where, man, you're experiencing pain a lot. What comes with that is fear. You know, when, when you don't have fear, it's when you have a coach who talks about saying, hey, all I really want for you is to come in and work as hard as you can. I just want you to get your mind in a spot where you learn to love the process and you're grateful for the opportunity to compete. Again, Penn State, this is what they do, at least as far as what I can see. And what I, I don't see people backing off and not, not competing. I see kids competing at the highest level and I'm, I, I'm amazed at what they're able to do there with that. And I see Tom Ryan doing the same thing. And so your top programs and, are doing this. And it's a, it's a really neat thing to watch because I just think kids' experience is so much better as well. And I think that's something we need to be focusing on too. Well, that's good, man. You know, cause I've got a son that wrestles and so he wrestles all over the country and he's been overseas a couple of times. And so when I'm hearing, I mean, <clears throat> as I'm listening to you, this is almost a, a breath of fresh air for me because when you're, when you're in the forest, I mean, when you're in the, when yeah. you're in this with your son, it's hard not to, cause everybody, especially around Fargo time. Right. And one thing I've noticed is, okay, super 32, it's all about super 32. Then it's over the next week. They're yeah. talking about, uh, they're talking about preseason nationals, which is right yeah, now. Man. And then after preseason nationals, they're talking about Ironman. And then after Ironman, they're talking about state. And then after state, they're talking it's about Fargo. And yeah. then you're sitting there going, it's just a vicious media cycle is what it's really turned it into in, in some it ways. Is. And I'm going, so you, so the, after I've sat back and I've thought about it and listened to you talk, uh, I'm like, you, ha- you almost have to, I mean, I, I used that, that word has been used so much of that phrase you have to fall in love with the process, but it yeah, really truly is the, the, the fact. I mean, you, you have to, cause I mean, I hear this about, you know, people thought it was a joke whenever they're like, you know, you hear these guys come off of the NCAA medal stand and well, and from Penn state. Uh, so why yeah, are you guys man. so successful? What's going on? I mean, well, we're just trying to have fun and people are like, Oh, it's gotta be more than that. You can't just be having fun. They, yeah. we've had generations yeah. and generations of yeah. this, this hardcore mentality that when all of a sudden, when this group of guys are, and especially, I mean, look back at Iowa, it was a yeah. Dan Gable grind, no doubt. right? No and doubt. it worked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then when you hear, uh, well, we're just trying to have fun, you know, yeah. and then we're, we're, we're falling in love with the process and people are, I mean, it was all over social media. People were mocking it. And I'm going, you can mock it all you want. It works though. But it's working, man. And, and, don't, mean, and don't misunderstand. Like people, you're misunderstanding. You think what he's talking about is coming in and, hey, we're just going to we're gonna play music. Yeah. We're going to dance the whole practice. No, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the way we see what we do, right? And I'm not saying I've heard they do play music and they have fun. And I think that's awesome. But like, don't misunderstand. You go in and watch them. What they're saying is, man, let's have fun learning to love competing. Mm-hmm. Let's make this something that's enjoyable. They cut weight. They still, they still train because they don't gas out. What it is is that it's a philosophy, right? Like when I sit down, I don't want to sit down and go, oh, man, this book is going to be a slog. And gosh, be, we need to grind. Like, no, like there'll be hard times. But I need to learn to love this. Because listen, the only way you get your brain on board to really go all in and do this is to make it look like something that's going to be pleasurable. Now, I am not saying all games all the time. I'm saying you learn to see it in a way where you even learn to love like going in and, and, and earning it, right? So to me, it's this philosophy. To me, it's the master hack, right? When you get the ability to sit down and make it that way, it's really important. And I want to point out one other thing, you know, that, that never-ending cycle, right? That's in wrestling now, oh, every tournament, one after another. I think we need to be careful there too, because yes, you might get some results. But one thing I know that I learned about myself is if you're not careful, 
all you do is you go and you can even have success, but you're always looking to the next thing. There's, you literally get done and you're like, what's next? What's next? What's next? And there's no enjoyment in the process. Mm-hmm. And that to me is crazy. And what you're creating with kids is these kids where they always have to have something else to be happy. And here's the thing, it doesn't actually lead to that. And so I just think if you can teach what Kale Sanderson and Tom Ryan are, are, are teaching, you can learn to go through and love the process because the process is 99% of all of it. And then guess what? If you have success, you can enjoy that. And if you don't, you can still go back to and enjoying the process and get better. So I just think, man, it's, you know, for all those people, you can mock it all you want and you can mock it all you want in college. Good luck beating him. If you think you're going to do it the old school way, my, my opinion is you are, you're not going to beat him that way. And I actually, well, the other yeah, that's adjusting good. to that too. Yeah, I, I, that's what I was going to say. I think they're going to have to adjust. I mean, times change. You know, the technique you and I probably were taught, we see more of a, we've seen now more of a funk style uh, kind of adapting. Now we're seeing going back to more of a, you know, not a basic style, but really sound technique. Uh, and, you know, so things do change. And I think philosophies do too. Um, and Kel Sanderson, no matter what anybody wants to say, I mean, and, and, and it, they were saying the same thing about Dan Gable. I mean, they were trying at one point trying to basically, you know, they're trying to find all kinds of places where he may be breaking yeah. the rules or this. And the fact is, man, he just had it down. Yeah, he had yeah. it dialed down. And same with Kel Sanderson. I mean, um, so no, I, and I like that. It's, a, it's a, like I said, it's a breath of fresh air to hear you talk about the, the, the mentality of training. I was just talking to a guy about that this morning. Yeah. Um, and it's hard, man. I mean, as a parent, and I've coached him and I wrestled in college. So it's one thing I've noticed is he, he's wrestling with a guy right now here in Tulsa that is, he was an NCAA uh, all American. He was in the finals once. Uh-huh. And, and I'm his, his just, again, he's almost like you, there's a breath of fresh air. Good. And I've just said to myself, you know what? <clears throat> I'm stepping back a little bit this year. That's good. Um, he's going to, he's going to learn from somebody else who's been at a higher level than I have. And I feel like the guy's got a better perspective and outlook on wrestling right now than maybe I do. Good for you. Um, And so that's what, that's what I've, um, that's what I've done. And I think he's, I think he's, I can just tell there's been a, even a, he's always been a a pretty good wrestler, but he, he, there's a difference that I'm seeing right now that, um, you know, maybe I wasn't seeing during Fargo time this last, you know, this, this past year. And, uh, and so I guess that's the, that's the next question I have. And I want to talk about business because, uh, you, you can cover so much based on your experience. Um, so do you buy into the, the, the philosophy that, um, that the kids should be in multiple sports? I mean, and I guess that's a loaded question a little bit because yeah. it could be yeah. in, in a, a, as a youngster, like say age, say yeah. to 12 or something, probably they should, but what, what if they start specializing, uh, after that, or, or can you specialize too early? Um, I mean, what are your thoughts? Cause you're seeing that, right? Yeah. Like yeah, you yeah. were just talking about folk style, freestyle, Greg. I mean, it just, sure. it, it never ends now. Yeah. Um, no, no. My, my philosophy yeah. on that, I think is, is pretty simple. And I, I don't think you can answer it with a, here's what exactly what you do. Mm-hmm. My philosophy is listen, you need to get to know your kids and you mm-hmm. need to get to know what they're passionate about. And if they don't know, then, then get them exposure to different things. Let them try different things. Let them try to find, you know, the thing that they love, you know, because if you don't help them find something that they're passionate about, I don't think you, I don't think you can get to the point where you are like this, if you want to call it a lead or peak performer, that doesn't happen by forcing it. Like people often ask me, Coit, is your kid, kid ever going to wrestle? And I'm like, I don't know. He doesn't, he doesn't seem to want to. So there's no chance I'm forcing him to do it. All I want is a parent. 
is I want him to find the thing that he loves because I loved wrestling. I loved it. And I was able to, at a young age, start to do it and do it more than other kids did because I legitimately loved competing and I love practicing. You can't make a kid do that. But I tell you this, every kid has in them something that they're meant to do or that they're passionate about doing. And you help them find that and you will blow the lid off of not only what they'll do in that area and what they'll do in their life. And so for me, my kid doesn't wrestle right now, no organized sports. You know what he loves? Mountain climbing. He loves climbing mountains. Like tomorrow we're going to go up to Mount Baker and we're going to go climb a mountain because it's what he loves. And to me, I just love seeing his eyes light up. And when he's out in nature and he's climbing a mountain, he's joyful. And to me, I, I can find a way to teach him the lessons. I mean, you go climb a 10, 15,000 foot mountain. You don't think you're going to have gut check time where you are having a hard time. Like I can, he can learn those lessons that I learned from wrestling on a mountain. And, you know, to me, it's just, I think the best thing you can do if you're a coach or a parent, help them find the thing that, that I guess you want to call it lights their, their soul on fire, makes them excited, makes them passionate. They like it. And then if they want to let them drive that, you know, and, and, but you know, it's, it's such a hard question to answer because here's the thing too, your kids may not find that if they're spending too much time on their iPads or they're playing too many video games, it's literally changing their brain where they, they can't do it. So I think you got to clear it out, but then you got to give them an opportunity to, to move around and, and find those things. And if you've got a kid that likes a lot of things, like my daughter, she's in dance, she's in gymnastics. She wants to do girl scouts. Our job is just to help her do those things. And, and at the point where she finds something she loves, then we'll help her dial in and get those habits and work. So that's, that would be my advice on it. That's, that's good advice. Well, and that brings me to the next question so that you just kind of hit it a little bit is, so you're hearing these kids, I mean, now we have esports and we have all these gaming things and whatever, you know, and kids love games. And I did too, man. I love tech mobile. And I, I mean, it was at my house, I had two brothers. We were, it almost turned into a brawl when we were playing Tim yeah, and it went from, I remember I mean, we were, we wanted to win Bo Jackson. And man. Yeah. But, but the problem, <laughs> I mean, yeah, but the deal was, is that now the games are different a little yeah, bit. They um, are. No question. And you wonder if it is kind of messing with our minds a little bit. And, and a kid could easily say, well, quite, uh, my passion's games. And you're going, well, really? I mean, yeah, man. I mean, is it, I mean, are you doing anything else? I mean, or, you know, and, and then as a parent, you're going, well, what if it is, I mean, what, what, what if they want to be a coder or what if they want to develop games or is there opportunities there? But I can't, you know, like I have a, I have a, a son that loves games. Yeah. He loves to compete too. I mean, he's got a streak. He loves to compete and he's in wrestling. Does he really love it? I don't know if he really loves it, but I'm like, Hey, I want you to be doing it because it's going to teach you to get in shape. It's going to teach you how to work through things. Let's find other things to do. I'm not, I don't think you have to wrestle. Yeah. Whereas my old one, I mean, my older one, it's what, it's what he wants to do. And in a sense, it's kind of his identity um, in one sense, but cause he, he loves to do it. Yeah. But I guess the question is, is this gaming thing we, we see now, uh, yeah, there's all kinds of studies saying that, Oh, it's messing kids. mind. it's rewiring. It it's, yeah. and I think it has to be to a yeah. point. I mean, Yeah. No, man. It, it's it, to me, it's, there's multiple layers to this. Right. And I, I've, my wife and I are really passionate about this. We we've studied this, we've studied what a lot of technology is doing to people's brains. And um, yeah, I think absolutely, you know, and, and not only have we studied it, but I get a chance to work with high school kids where I'm going, Oh my gosh, like what has happened? You know, the ability to, to lock in and, and pay attention, um, just the, the lack of confidence, just that now the, the suicide rate is higher than ever. And to me, it comes back to one shift. 
And that shift is technology. From the time you're a kid, you're on an iPad at three years old. And a lot of parents are like super proud of this. And at some point I was too, well, my kid can get on an iPad and he can find YouTube. And, and then you start to read about it and you go, oh my gosh, what it's doing to your brain. You know, these things are, are designed to be unbelievably addicting. And we're, we're putting in front of our kids at a young age and kids are spending, I mean, six, seven, eight, 12 hours on devices. We are not mm-hmm. designed to be living on devices. Human beings are not designed to be on devices. We are designed to be out, to be interacting, to be pursuing. And my thing would be right now, this is, this may be a strong thing that I believe in, but I don't, I don't want my kids using any of those things right now. And I'm not alone on that. You know, Bill Gates and his wife said they didn't give their kids devices until they were 16 and they wish they would have waited longer. Um, Steve Jobs would not let his kids use devices. And so to me, video games and, um, and, 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 you know, technology where you're on using these apps and stuff, man, I'd be very careful there, you know, in terms of, I would be drawing yeah. back in our household. What we want is we want our kids reading. We want our kids, you know, practicing gratitude. We want our kids out in nature. We're trying to expose them. But I mean, you got to be very careful if it turns into something where they're just by themselves playing and they're doing that for an hours and hours and hours. I, I would be concerned that you're going to have some pain with these kids down the road. And oh, I know. Um, I just yeah. No, that's we, and we have we have strict limits on it. I mean, we're uh, my wife and I. She was an athlete. I was too. So we're outdoors a lot. And yeah. Uh, so we're we're constantly you know putting limits on. Okay, this is the only time you can be on games. It's the only time you can be on you know devices or whatever. Because I just believe in discipline. Number one, but I also sure. believe keeping them, keeping them away from. Uh, that and and I'm a technology guy. I mean, everything I do is yeah, based around technology. But I'm with you. You know, I which as you're talking about this, it makes me think. Um, you know, I think it has effect on marriages and and just no question uh, adults as well. I mean, no I question. think we're talking about. You know, you see these memes about a, a husband and a wife in bed, and they're turned away from each other, and both of them are on the iPhone. Yeah, man. And and you're like, well, I've caught myself. I'm you know being I'm d- doing that. I mean, you know, and, and yeah. it's like. Uh, we don't do that often. And I'm just saying that you do see it and you're going, man, I mean, technology is, is pulling us apart. And, yeah. um, in, in some ways it brings us together in other ways, but, yeah. um, do you, so I guess, do you work with, um, uh, I mean, so you're more into performance basically as a whole. I mean, so, I mean, am I right there? I mean, you, you work yeah. with yeah. leaders yeah, yeah. and, yeah, man. I mean, I get to work with a wide range. I mean, I work with people who are executive directors of colleges. I work with athletes. I work with students. And to me, you know, people say, who do you work with? And yeah, I have some primary kind of target markets of people that I work with when I speak. But really what I want to be able to do is just help people to get in a spot where they are out and they're pursuing the things they're passionate about and they're elevating and they're they're able to do that. And you just mentioned something earlier. I mean, to me, a huge part of what I have to help people do is we've got to learn to disconnect from technology. Mm -hmm. It cannot set the pace. And you're right. I see this all the time. Relationships that are just, that are not strong and they're hurting because technology, this crazy addicting thing is, is not just kids, it's adults. And man, I think, I think I tell people this, I think fear and self-doubt are two of the biggest things that stop people from, from going out and doing what they want to do. But I think technology is right there with the two and is even driving fear and self-doubt because of the comparison and stuff like that. And so one of the biggest things I think is if you're going to get to where you're not only performing, but honestly, what I do is I want people to be happy. I want them to be vibrant. I want them to be excited about their lives. And 
it's hard to do that when you're, when you're forced into doing the wrong things. It's hard to do that when you're tied up in technology all the time. There's so many things that draw you from that. And so when people come to me, whether it's business professionals or parents who want me to work with their athletes, the number one thing I want to know is, what do you really care about? You know, what do you really care about? And in those areas of what you really care about, what are those things that would be really exciting to go into pursue? And then our job is to get their minds in a place and their habits and their process in a place where they can really go out and do it, where they're really enjoying their days. And it's the coolest thing, man. I've done this even with my kids. Like when you get people in a spot where they start to invest in themselves the right way, and I really believe in like a morning routine, when you do it right, it's really cool to see people, the excitement that comes out. And so when when we say performance, but really what it is, is how do I help people get in the right spot where they have a shot to go out and do something unique that makes their life rewarding. And um, when it's wrestlers, it's wrestlers. But I mean, to me, it's, I, I, I like working with anybody who has a desire saying, man, I'd really love to go do something unique, but man, I'm kind of stuck in a rut or I, I haven't been able to find the next level. I love working with those people that are passionate about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, that, and that's awesome. Um, and I'm thinking as you're, as you're talking about that, I, I looked on your website yesterday um, and cause I've been, you know, I've followed you for a long time, yeah. obviously a wrestler, then you've turned into a, you went entrepreneurial route. And so then obviously that naturally, you know, that it makes me curious. And so then I go and I'm looking at your, your website. And so you've done it. That was a Ted talk, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have. Yeah. That was awesome. I Thank mean, you, so how, how did that happen? Like, how, how did you go about, um, you know, getting into an opportunity like that? Cause that was a good, it was a very good, um, when you gave that speech, it was good. Thank you, man. No, it was, you know, it's one of those things like um, when you get into speaking and, and doing what I do, it's one of those things that you look at and you go, man, it'd be cool to do that. And, um, mm-hmm. and so I went out and, you know, I applied to a variety of different ones and I got rejected. I mean, that just it tends to be a trend. Like when I go into something, I'm going to face some rejection. And I think most people do, right. You don't, you don't just land the first one. Ted talks are competitive. So, yep. you know, I, I started by saying that was one of my goals and I started to write it down every single day. And I started to say, well, how can I do this? Well, I can apply to them. I can learn more about them. And so I started to, to take intentional action. Right. And I literally wrote them down for like a couple months. I will write it. I will do a Ted talk and I got it into my subconscious brain. And then, and then I got to the point where, you know, I felt like I was kind of banging my head against the wall and, and maybe just trying to force it too much. And so I just thought, okay, well, I'm just going to chill, man. I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to keep working and adding value and trying to help people. And literally not long after that, you know, and I'm convinced I had done the work and was ready, but um, I had a guy that reached out to me um, and said, hey, I'm writing a book. I know you've written some books. Would you, would you jump on a phone call and just talk to me? And I said, Sure. And, and I just, I'd had people that did that for me and I wanted to help him. And I literally for like 45 minutes, just answered questions and told him everything I could think of to help him on how do you go out and publish a book? We got to the end and we were talking about goals. And I said, you know, it's really important that if you're going to do this, you, you gotta, you gotta make, you gotta make it something that's a priority for you. And we started talking about a process and how you can use goals and habits to do that. And I said, for example, one thing that I've been focused on was a Ted talk and I've done all these steps and done this. And and he stopped. And he said, you know, Coy, he said, I'm actually a director of a TED Talk. And I'm like, I had no idea. Like, I'm sitting here on the, like, what? Like, and he's like, oh, yeah, I, I, we're running one. And we would love for you to apply. And I'm like, well, no kidding. Like, that's awesome. And so I applied and it, and it worked, you know, and, and I got a chance to do it. And it's the, TED Talks are kind of crazy, man. You don't realize like they, the, the time limits, uh, practice sessions, you got to have a coach. I mean, it's, it's pretty intense. And um, yeah. 
Yeah, but I but it made me better as a speaker. I tell people like right now, you hire me, and I'm coming in for an hour, two hours, three hours, no problem. Like it's not hard. But you ask me to talk for 14 minutes as a speaker, that's really hard. I mean, it's really hard to compact a meaningful message into something short. And I think that's what makes them valuable. People work really, really hard with coaches and fine tuning it to make sure it's compact enough to where people can watch them and get out of them what they want to in a short time period. So it was really hard. And there was a practice session the day before with like a bunch of other speakers critiquing you. And that that's challenging, man, to have to speak in front of a small group and that type of oh, was, I was, bet. yeah, it, it, but it helped me grow, man. I got better from it. And that's the way I try to see things now is I just, I love the opportunity to get better. And that gave me an opportunity to do that for sure. Well, you can always tell that. I mean, now that you say that, I mean, when I watch a Ted talk there, you can tell most people, and maybe it's because I've studied speakers and, and good speaking, but you can tell I've only got a limited amount of time yeah, man. and I've got to get this. I've got to hit every point that I want to hit. And, yeah. um, and, but they're always, I mean, for the most part, I enjoy Ted talk. I mean, there's some great, great Ted talks yeah, there and are. some great information. Um, and it's funny you say that you have to get it in in a certain period of time. You know, I was listening to a guy last night, Jordan Peterson. He, he was, yeah. he, I mean, he's, he got big all the, I mean, yep, blew yep, up yep. and, uh, He's very, very, he's a great thinker. There's no two ways about it, whether mm-hmm. you, you agree politically or not with him. He, and he's not even a really a political guy. That's not what he, he just has his viewpoints on certain things. But yeah, he's, he was talking, he said, you know, media has changed because usually when an industry changes or a business is going down, the top talent leaves and then it spirals down from there. He said, we're starting to see that in the news publications and we're seeing podcasts take over. We're seeing YouTube get, I mean, I was doing YouTube marketing in 2000 one, two, three, and four. And, and I was thinking, when is the shoe going to drop? I mean, you know, we've seen MySpace go, we've seen all these technology companies go, but YouTube has evolved. Yeah. I guess the point I'm trying to make is people are getting their, um, they're getting their information in different ways, but people who would have ever thought someone would listen to Joe Rogan for two and a half, three hours. I yeah. mean, cause they're saying, well, you got to keep it within seven minutes or you got to keep it within whatever. And with podcast and YouTube, that's just not the case anymore. People are getting their information in other places, which you have to be a little bit careful of, obviously. Sure. You got to be able to filter and, uh, but I mean, so what are your thoughts on that? I mean, are, do you listen to certain podcasts or are there certain YouTube? I guess what I'm saying is, are there, who do you, um, who are some of the figures that you listen to or you study to, to up your game? Cause you're always having to fill your well, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first thing I do, the one thing I believe in, I, you know, and I learned this from a guy named Robin Sharma, who's one of the guys that I follow mm-hmm. and I admire is read, man. He's, he mm-hmm. had a dad that told him, Robin, you can skip meals, but never stop reading. And some people say, well, that, that seems antiquated. Why reading? Why not listen to audiobooks? Cause it's not the same thing. When you sit down and you actually read books, it requires that you focus on a single thing. And I think that's one of the most important skill sets. You want to be really, really great at something. You must be able to focus. And nothing around us is urging us to do that. It's teaching us to bounce around. And so the thing I believe in is reading. Like I'm on on pace. I'm going to read 100 books this year. And I love reading. I mean, there's so many people I'm learning from every single day. I just read a book by Cal Newport named Deep Work. And it's about how to be effective and how to balance all this technology to still do meaningful deep work where we're not distracted. And that's awesome, man. And, and so reading is my starting point, but I do love podcasts as well. I read every single morning for at least 30 minutes. But in my day, when I get into my day, when I'm traveling and, and I have these spots, I like, I've listened to Lewis um, Howe's podcast. He has mm-hmm. a lot of amazing people on there. Um, I listened to Tony Robbins's podcast. There was an interview with Kevin Hart the other day on Tony... Robbins' podcast that was amazing. Like I'm, 
I, I know, I know Kevin Hart's funny, but like, mm-hmm. man, it was so insightful. Like it was so good. And, and I just found myself wanting to be better and learning from him. And, and I've, I've liked Brendan Burchard in the past. And so there's a lot of different ones that I, that I listen to in spots, but um, I think my best learning comes in reading, you know, just that, that, you know, at f- I get up a lot of times at four 30 in the morning and, you know, a lot of times by five 30, my son's up, my wife's up, but man, just to sit there and quiet and to read before anybody's up and you just start your day in a spot when you're investing is one of the coolest things. And, um, and I just think, so I'm, I'm always learning. I mean, there's so many, I mentioned some of them, um, some of the people that I'm learning from, but as I turn to the right, I could go through like Russell Brunson. I'm learning a ton from him right now in terms of building an online business. And that's been unbelievably he's, helpful. You know, he's a wrestler too. I do. Yeah. A Boise State. Yeah. 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 Boise State. I mean, amazing. I knew about Russell so many years. We, I got started in, so I graduated uh, in 2000, let's see, 2001 from college. And then, uh, but I knew about Russell early on. So we yeah. were in the internet marketing stages of Frank Kern and Lee Collins. And uh, so the list goes on, then Russell Brunson. And then there's network marketing, right? And in network marketing, those guys didn't want to change. They're like, you know, you got to talk to people and you, oh, of course you do, but but why are you not generating leads? And, you know, Russell is yeah. phenomenal dot com secrets. And then you've he got is, his, uh, the funnels and uh, click funnels and everything else. And so there was a, a chasm between the two. Uh, and they both really liked each other, but they didn't want to admit it uh, yeah. because they're kind of two different industries. But man, he is amazing. And, yeah, he's, he's good. He's yeah. So good. Yeah. So I mean, who, who, who else do you list? I mean, so, you, you know, Lewis, um, you mentioned Russell Brunson. Tony, Tony Robbins a lot. Tony Robbins. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you're getting into working with people, I mean, I just, I, I, I listened to Tony Robbins and I think it's amazing. Like what he understands the psychology of people and he's really good at like most people you can't, you can't keep their attention. And yet he does these events for 50 hours. I mean, 50 hours, like four or five days straight where people are locked in. I mean, that to me just blows my mind. And, and I've always loved uh, Andy Andrews, a lot of his, books and his stuff. He's got a lot of really creative, like story type books. Um, this year, I mean, I really love what, what, um, James clear does with atomic habits. I mean, that's, that's really cool. But another, like, like I talked about even Robin Sharma at the get go. I mean, I love listening to him when he speaks. Um, I love reading his stuff. And so, and you know, even, even newer people, I mean, you know, my wife kind of introduced me to reading some of Rachel Hollis's stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, and I enjoy that, man. I just, I like learning all over the place. You know, I like, I, I love like it. to, I like to just read every day. And I know, you know, when I read a book, I don't, I don't take a ton of stuff, but man, I grab one or two things that fit me really well. And I just take them and I start to apply them. And so I, you know, there's definitely people that have influenced me a lot more, but man, I feel like most of the books I'm reading right now, I'm learning something from somebody and, and I get to take it back and apply it. Um, so it's really amazing. Yeah. Well, who, uh, so let's, and I'll bring, there's one more question I have, but before I get to that one, um, who, so in wrestling, who, who would be someone you looked up to or modeled or a a coach or a wrestler who was really inspirational? We talked about kind of business folks in the wrestling world. Who, who else is, um, who are some of your influences? Yeah. And and, and there's one guy, um, in my life that other than my parents is the most influential human being I've ever been around. And, and I write about him in my new book. And, um, and if you've ever heard me talk at some point, he's going to come up and his, his name is Ron. He was my coach, my club coach in high school. And he was unbelievable, man. This stuff that I'm talking to you about, like the best wrestling I ever did in my life was in high school. And I had this coach where you'd go in and he was just so crazy, unique. And, 
in the way that he taught you about putting the most important things first in the way that you'd be at a national tournament, he'd say, you ready to have fun, buddy. And his eyes would be lit up. And I'd be like, at first I'm like, what? Like no coach has ever done that. And he, I, I feel like he was doing what some of the stuff Kale is doing now, but he was doing it like, you know, 20 years ago, like, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just, his name is Ron and he has Parkinson now. So he's really going downhill and he's, he's 80 now. And, and I don't know how much longer he's going to be here, but um, he, he taught me to believe in myself, man. I mean, I remember when I was 14 years old, he took me to the cadet world team trials and first year, 14 year olds are supposed to be able to go or can go and you have to get a doctor's note. So he wants me to go and I, I get permission and I go across the country and I, I was competitive. So I knew, I knew the top guys in the country. I knew Stephen Bradley from Indiana was number one. I knew David Stoltz was in Illinois was number two. And, and I went to this tournament very early on. I walked to the bracket and I thought, Oh my gosh, man, I've got Stephen Bradley. I've got the number one kid in the country and you know, as well as I do, man, that's not a good mindset to have. Like oh, no. yeah. you're going, man, I got the number one kid in the country. That ain't going to go well, but I still, I tell people this, I'll never forget this. I'm walking away from the bracket. And that's my thought. And my coach Ron walks up to me and he's got this big smile. Like he always does. And he's got his Harley Davidson jacket on and he comes up and he says, Corey, you ready to compete buddy? And I'm like, eh, you know, not, not a strong response. And he's like, well, what's up? And I, I pause for a minute and hesitate. I didn't want to tell him. And finally I go, I've got Stephen Bradley. I've got the number one kid in the country. And he looked at me and he smiled really big. And he says, no, he said, the number one kid in the country has you. He has the bad draw. My first yep. thought was like, are you kidding me? Do you, have you seen this guy? And yet he didn't flinch. And he, he just said it again. He says, he has the bad draw. And I walked away and I didn't believe it at first, but because I love this coach and I believed in this coach, I started to go, you know what? Could he be right? Maybe he's right. And first it's like, no. But then by the time I'm 15 minutes to the match, I start to go, he, he's got me. This guy's got to deal with me. And I started to walk out. And I, by the time I got out there, I believed it. And he was in my corner and I, I knew that. And I just started to attack and I didn't stop once. And I beat as a 14 year old, I beat the 16 year old number one kid in the country, 10 to four. Wow. And I went through the whole tournament and I, I, I beat the number two guy in the finals and I, I made the world team first ever 14 year old to make a world team. And to be fair, it was the first year they allowed it. So I had an, I had an advantage, but yeah. you know, I make this world team and I tell people, I don't tell you that to impress you. I tell you that because I had an unbelievable coach in a moment where I was questioning myself that came up to me and said, in, in, essentially what he's saying is quite, I know you think you belong here, but you belong at an entirely different level. And I had no idea. I had no idea that, boom, you could change your beliefs and elevate your mindset and your life in like an instant if you believe in yourself. Now, we'd done the work. We had the habits. He'd trained me. He saw something in me that I didn't see in myself yet. And that's my guy. You asked me who's the most influential person I've ever met in wrestling. It's somebody that most people would never even hear, heard of. His name is Ron Bessmer. But the people who were around him, they knew. Every kid who wrestled for him, they knew. And so he was my guy, man. It's to this day. I mean, my life, I I did a talk recently for a bunch of educational leaders and the superintendent said, Hey, can you separate? Like, what would your life be like without Ron? And I'm like, I can't answer that. You know, I am who I am right now because of not only wrestling, but because I had this coach who taught me so many unbelievable lessons. And so that's my guy. That's the guy that I learned most from. And well, I guess, so that's the other thing we, that's what we see though, right? With flow and track. Yeah. Everybody's looking at the brackets. Yeah. Everybody's looking at the brackets. And, you know, I think that has to be something that you say to your son or your wrestler. It's like, 
I don't want to even talk about who we're wrestling. Don't worry I mean, about it, man. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's tendencies, right, that some kid has, and we, we have to be aware of that. But if, if we're if our offense is on, um, and we're getting to attacks, and I mean, I remember Derek Fix said this, and you know, Dayton's dad. And Rhett's always Rhett's always had a really good group of coaches, but yeah, my son has. And uh, and I said, what did you tell? Like, what what did you tell Dayton when he first started? Because it was just two things. Yeah, we're scoring points and we're looking for a fall. That's it. But we're going yeah. to have fun. I mean, but yeah, those are the two it, things yeah. we need to focus on. Yep. And then he started thinking about it, like, well, how do you get so good? You know, well, he developed his offense around those two things, basically. I mean, you know, and so I don't know. I mean, I, that's that's some good. This is some good wisdom. I'm I'm glad that. I've been able to get you on and talk about this and I'd definitely love to do it again. Um, yeah, this is fun. So, so the last thing, uh, let's talk about your book, uh, yeah. flip the script, right? Um, yeah, man. so when did you create that and, and what's the response been? Yeah, no, man, I, it was something as I walked away from my, my, my career as a college professor and, you know, I decided to take this big jump. I had this idea to write a book about, you know, could I take the biggest barriers and challenges facing people? You know, could I take a stab at identifying those and teach people these simple strategies or habits that they can take and flip the script on them? And so when I initially started, it was just me saying, how, how can I break these things down in a way to help people do that? Because I think there's so many people out there that want to be doing better. They want to be living higher. They want to be achieving more. They want to be happier, but they don't know how. And I started to move through the process and I really started like researching it. I just wanted to write this book. And then I started to realize really early on, I'm like, dang, like these things that I'm finding of other people, these are my things. Like I'm sitting here, I just lost my job and I'm wanting to pursue these big goals, but man, I've got self-doubt and I've got fear. And my brain is littered with these negative thoughts and I'm hopping all over the place because of technology. And I came front and center with like all of the biggest things stopping me from going out and living the life I wanted, being an entrepreneur, being a speaker. And I tell people the one thing that I know about myself is that when I decide something, I'll show up. And so I just started to show up every day and said, how do I break through this one barrier in front of me? And I started to learn. It was unbelievable. I learned that if you just implement the right habits, right? Reading books, uh, doing gratitude every single day, these unbelievably profound habits will take and flip the script on them without you even knowing it. Like if you're all over the place with negativity or you have self-doubt, if you read the book and you find the habits and you just work them, they're called what I call yellow ball habits. And in the book, I explain why there's this story, but it's essentially this idea, like, don't worry about all of it. Just get up and commit to doing these things. And if you do, it can help you flip the script on your biggest barriers and get you to a spot where you're not only achieving at a higher level, but you love who you are and you love your life right now. And the cool thing was the response has been really great. I mean, I've had, you know, it's hard to do this. Like I didn't have a traditional publisher. I, you know, I published by myself and, you know, but to go out and sell a, a thousand books already is, it's just really cool. Most never sell more than a hundred. It's really hard to sell books. And, and so to have a thousand and, and to be able to just keep building that, I mean, it's just, it's been awesome. And the, the coolest thing is, is this, when you write it, and when people write you and they say, man, this is really helping me. I was in a tough spot and you know, it's helping me. Or man, I, I've run into these barriers and I'm reading this and it's really giving me the skills and, and, and to, tools to go out and do this. It's really amazing. And so for me, my, my job is this. I don't want to get in all caught up in, in, in using it to make me feel better and anything like that. I just want to share it because I believe in it. When I started the book, my only goal was this. I just want to write a book I'm proud of that I can share with people that I believe will help them. And then I want to go out and I want to share as much as I possibly can for that reason. 
And the yeah. cool thing is, as a speaker now, I get a chance to speak with people. I know with this book, if I just keep sharing it for the right reasons, it's going to find its audience. And so it's just getting started. It's an amazing start. But I think if I just keep sharing it with passion and, and for the right reasons, I think it's going to find its people. And once it finds its own people, you know, we'll get to see how many lives it can impact. Well, I'll tell you this. We'll be putting a link on our, our um, podcast site about this. Um, cool, man. Thank and you. And so I definitely want to, I mean, just spending this, uh, this short amount of time I've gotten to spend with you on this podcast, I've already learned a lot. I mean, we're in the middle. I mean, we've got a 14-year-old and two 13-year-olds. Yeah. And a 14-year-old is going to be 15. So you're always trying to find that, the quote-unquote right way when you're parenting. And we, I feel like we've done a great job. But then when I listen to some of the things you've said on this podcast, I'm like, hmm. All right. It makes me think. And ultimately that's, I, I mean, I want my podcast to be phenomenal for like, kind of like your book. I want it to be yeah. the best for everyone listening, but I then mean, I'm going to say this. I'm of course, I'm getting a little greedy of myself. I mean, I'm learning something out of this. And so, yeah, man. um, if, if that's a bonus, um, yeah. you know, if, if I can pick up some things go, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, um, so anyways, I'll definitely put a, I'll put a link on, uh, you know, at joshpeak.com, I'll put a link on this podcast and then also YouTube and my other channels as well. So, um, and I look, here's what I'm going to be doing. So we've got on this podcast, we're going to have, we have entrepreneurs. I even some politicians that are coming on that have been wrestlers, but also successful in in business and now in politics, just top perform. I mean, people that like to perform. And so you're getting a different, uh, and there is a common thread though. I mean, I, I, you can tell there are certain things that performers do, yeah. Um, and so I'd love to bring you on from time to time if, if you know, about a certain segment. And so yeah, cool. I'll, de- I'll, I'll definitely be bringing you on again. So guys, good, this was, yeah, I appreciate it. So this was Coit Cooper, uh, and make sure if you're listening to this, uh, go to his website, um, C O Y T E C O O P R P E R.com. Coit Cooper.com. Look for that. Um, Ted talk is a great video. Um, and so again, I appreciate you coming on and spending time. I know you're, you got a busy schedule and, um, but I appreciate you, you know, sharing your wisdom with my audience. Thank you, man. No, it's, it's been awesome. And it's, it's a, it's a blessing to get a chance to, to visit with you and share with your folks. Yeah, you bet. And so if you want to get in touch with you, obviously I just gave your website out. Is there any other place, Facebook, Twitter? I mean, where do you spend most of your time? Uh, yeah, no, content? They, they, they can obviously go to the website and they can email me, but yeah, social media, you know, you can find me on Facebook. They can find me on Twitter, Instagram. The cool thing about having a name like Coy Cooper, there's nobody else with that name. So yeah. you're not going to have a hard time finding me. If you know how to spell it, which is C-O-Y-T-E, you'll, you'll find me and and don't be afraid to reach out. I mean, most people, you know, a lot of people don't take you up on that, but if I can help you with anything, let me know. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you a lot. I appreciate it. Thanks, man.